All right, if you got your Bible, let's open this morning to Exodus chapter 25. We're going to begin reading in verse 31. I hope as much as possible everybody can be here for the next, of course, I'd like to have everybody here every week, but as we go through this study on this candlestick, as it's referred to in the scripture, and we will clear that up in just a minute, it's one of the most interesting, most picturesque pieces of furniture in the tabernacle. Uh, we're going to look at it for at least probably three weeks if we can get through it in three weeks because there's so much in it and I have been amazed at how much is there in pictures of the New Testament truth uh, some things that I think you and I and not only our church but every church needs to study and to understand in detail but uh Let's, uh, let's uh, start reading in verse number 31, and we'll read down through the verse 40, the end of the chapter. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made, his shaft, his branches, his bowls, his knobs, his flowers shall be of the same. The six branches shall come out of the sides of it. Three branches of the candlestick out of one side. Three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Three bowls made like unto almonds with the knobs and a flower in one branch. And three bowls make like almonds in the other branch with a, a knob and a flower. So in the six branches that come out of the candlestick. And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds and their knobs and their flowers. And there shall be a knob under two branches of the same, and a knob under two branches of the same, and a knob under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Their knobs and their branches shall be of the same. All shall be one beaten work of pure gold. And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. And the tongs thereof, and the snuff dishes thereof, shall be of pure gold. And a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels. And look thou, and look that thou make them after the pattern which was showed thee in the mount. It would not hurt any of us to underline that last verse in there until it becomes a part of us in our service for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you might have noticed the great detail that the Holy Spirit went to uh, where he repeated several things in here as we went through this scripture and looked at it where it says uh, down in verse number 35 and two branches of the same and two branches of the same and two branches of the same and all through here, God has emphasized that in the building and the design of the tabernacle and all the items of furniture in there, God had a unique, complete, detailed pattern. And he said five different times, you shall make it exactly as I showed you in the pattern. In other words, I think I said this one time in the class, God did not leave anything to Moses' decision as to how it was to be designed. 
Not one thing. He did not leave it open to the workmen that built those pieces of furniture to change one thing and, and say, well, I think this would look better or this would be you know, more appealing or this would work better. He did not leave that open. And he certainly did not leave it open. And this is one of the dangers we face in serving the Lord today. He did not leave it open for you and I to come along and change it and add to it and think it's better. He did not leave it open to the desires of the pastor, the teachers, the deacons, or anybody in any church anywhere. We're to serve God according to the pattern that God has given us in the New Testament. And we're going to see some patterns in this in the next uh, two, three, four weeks. I'm not sure exactly how long we're going to go. This is one of the... This is. You know, a casual reading of these chapters 24 through 30, uh, some things don't appear. This is the only piece of furniture out of the seven, including the ark and the mercy seat being two. Every other part in, those, in that furniture, it said it was made of wood. Make it of shittim wood or Arcadia wood. Didn't say that on the lampstand. Said you make it a pure gold. And it pictures the Holy Spirit of God enlightening us and guiding us into what God would have us to do. And uh, no wood is to show up in it. Y'all understand what I'm saying? The human element is out of it. Again, God, did, it's, it's amazing at how many times God emphasized in different ways. He said, make it the same, make it the same, make it the same. And even in the structure of it, he said, you make it out of pure gold. That put God, that put God through the Holy Spirit of God in total, complete control as to how you and I live our lives and serve the Lord. And I've said this before, and it'll be repeated again. And I, everybody knows this, but sometimes we live in a body of flesh. We live in a body of wood, and we're frail. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we make some mistakes. Sometimes well-meaning, but nevertheless mistakes. We want to come along and create something that we think will add to what God doesn't need any help doing. Right. Y'all want me to explain that a little further? Uh, you and I, we, everybody in this room, everybody in this church will agree with this. God doesn't need any help. Amen? God doesn't need any help. God can do anything and everything He wants to do, and He does not need our help, and He does not really need us to serve Him. We serve Him as a privilege. God gives us a privilege to serve him. But we're supposed to serve him, number one, because we love him. Not legalistically. We're supposed to serve him because we love him. And we're supposed to serve him according to the pattern that he gave us all through the pictures of the Old Testament and how he illustrated that in the New Testament. So with that said, and we'll point that out, I hope you'll see that again and again. But let me clear this up. Because I don't want any misunderstandings. But throughout the tabernacle, referring to the, uh, the candlestick, uh, the Bible used the word candlestick. It does not use the word lampstand. But in, this is not a mistranslation. You know, we got people today that come along and they've already 
in their hearts and their minds, they're rebellious toward God and they want to find fault with God. They want to find fault with the Word of God. This is not a bad translation, and I'm going to show you that. When God preserved His Word, God preserved His Word exactly like He wanted it preserved. So it's not a bad translation in spite of the fact there are, there are no candles. There are no candles in the tabernacle on that lampstand. Matter of fact, candles were not used at any time in any place throughout the New Testament scriptures in any church in the worship of the Lord. They didn't even know what candles were back when Moses built the tabernacle that God gave him the plan of it. You say, well, uh, give us an understanding. It is a, it's a difference of our understanding in modern day thinking and what that word candlestick truly meant back in the Old Testament. You know, they did not have candles. They did not have electric lights. They didn't have it. The only type of light that they had was a little clay bowl, which is pictures, and we'll get to that later on in another lesson. And they put oil in it with a wick in it, and they lit it. That was their light in their homes, wherever it was, wherever they went. Now, here's what you and I have got to understand to not get confused. And if somebody comes along and questions you, you'll know the answer. They did not just go and set those around on a table here. They built a three or a four-leg tripod. The, the, the studies in Jewish antiquity uh, don't be able to pin it down to exactly, and I don't know, I would think it was a three-leg tripod if I had my position on it because of the Trinity. But they built a three-leg tripod, and it was of different heights, and it was spread out in a tripod, and it was bound together probably with vines here at the top, and probably had a vine around the bottom where it wouldn't spread out, and it would be stabilized. And then when they crossed up at the top, they made a little three-prong little three -prong, uh, tray, sitting like that, and they set that little bowl of oil on that to have it elevated <coughs> to where it gave light to the house, or <coughs> excuse me, wherever they want. Now let me show that to you so you just won't have to go out of here and say Brother Ernest say it, okay? That's not a good idea at all because Brother Ernest is wrong a lot of times. If you will, turn over to uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 15. And I'm taking a little time on this because I don't want anybody in here to be questioned that we've got the Word of God or don't have the Word of God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 15. Uh, let's go back to verse 13. <clears throat> Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Uh, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now watch. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but what? On a candlestick. Now turn over, if you will, to Luke chapter 8 and verse 16. I did not put these references in your outline. You may want to add them in there for some time in the future. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16, you're going to see the same thing. Verse 16 says, No man, 
when he has lighted a candle, cover it with a vessel, or putting it under a bed, but set it, setteth it where? On a candlestick. And then if you want to look again in Mark chapter 4 and verse 21. Just about might want to make a note uh, on that, your notes there. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? Is that, does everybody understand where the translators got the word candlestick from? They were talking about that three-legged tripod that you set the oil on that burns, and that was just simply to elevate it or to move it through the house, to do things, not having set it on a table or something of that nature where it uh, might cause some problems. Today, in our modern English, in our understanding for just uh, principles or, or understanding's sake, we would use the word lampstand. You got a lampstand and you put the lights on it. Of course, we put candles on them today. But now I'll get back to this in a minute. It's vitally important. Uh, I'm repeating myself. There were no candles in the tabernacle. There were no candles used in that section of the tabernacle that's called service. And that's spelt out three, three or four times. The priest went in. Do y'all see the picture of this being a place of service? You've got three elements in here. You've got the table of showbread, you've got the lampstand, and you've got the golden altar. You and I serve the Lord by those three elements, piece of furniture. Number one, we feed on the Word of God. You can't serve God without feeding on the Word of God and knowing how to handle the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved of God, workman rightly able to buy it. Then, when we feed upon the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, which we'll develop here in, in, in the next two or three weeks, the Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God and illuminates us and empowers us to serve Him. And then we go to the golden altar of intercession and prayer. You put those three together, we serve the Lord, we feed on the Word of God, we trust wholly and completely in the Holy Spirit, and we take it before the Lord and ask Him to answer the prayers that we have asked being led of the Holy Spirit who maketh intercession for us before the throne of God because we know not what we ought to ask for. Amen. That's what I said a while ago. Some of us get our own ideas about how things ought to be done. Are y'all starting to see the picture of how we serve the Lord now? Quickly. Where do they get the flame? I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> she wants to get ahead of me all the time, doesn't she? <laughs> I'm just carrying on with you. It, we'll get to that next week or the next. The, the priest lit it, and it had to be lit by a certain fire. But do you see the picture that that is a place that represents our service in the New Testament? That's a picture of how we serve the Lord. We go into the place of service, the local church. We feed on the Word of God. We ask God to fill us and control us by the Holy Spirit. What is that? Revelation 5, not Revelation, Ephesians 5.20. Be not drunk with wine, but what? Be filled. We're to be filled. Somebody tell me what that word "fill" means. I've heard people say some people young, and you know they mean, hey, "Well, oh God, I pray you fill my legs. I pray you fill Mars." <laughs> he doesn't come in gallons and quarts. <laughs> the word "fill" means totally, completely controlled 
by the Holy Spirit of God and nothing else. Do I need to repeat that? We are to serve the Lord by feeding on the Word of God and then presenting our bodies wholly acceptable unto God and say, God, here's my body. You use it. You fill it. You control it by the Holy Spirit. However you want to form your prayer, God, that you give me discernment as to how to interpret your word and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life and how you want to work through me to minister to other people. Everything is done. There is no wood in that candlestick where the Holy Spirit of God is represented by the oil of the Spirit. Does anybody have any questions? We destroy ourselves sometimes by trying to add to and change the pattern that God gave us. And the Holy Spirit of God wants to use you and I to do one thing, glorify God, nothing else. And we need to be extremely careful, extremely careful not to change the pattern that God gave us. All right, let's look. We'll, let's look. Uh, we'll start on our pictures that we find in there. Number one, and we won't reread the text here, but the lampstand, I'll be back to that light in just a minute. It's pictured, we're looking at lessons concerning the Savior. Our Lord Jesus Christ. The picture that we draw out of this lampstand is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ in the new. The first picture that we find in there, it says, He is the light of the world. Jesus Himself said, What? I am the light. Turn to John chapter 4 and verse 1. We'll find both elements in there in this first section that we study. John chapter 4 and verse 1. John chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 1 and verse 4. I'm getting ahead of myself too, Ann. It says, in, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then in a number of places, a number of places, John chapter 9, verse 5, if you want to turn a page right there, just a couple of pages, Lord Jesus himself declared that, and they hated him for it too. But uh, Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So our Lord Jesus Christ is pictured in this golden lampstand, no wood in it, no human element in it, nothing is supposed to be showing up to compete with or add to or change our Lord Jesus Christ being the light of the world. Now you might want to note too, because we've we got another element here, he said as long as I am in the world. That leaves you and I with an awesome responsibility because later on he said, ye are the light of the world. But it pictures him as being the light of the world. Uh, let me just we'll point out the tabernacle, neither side of it, the place of service or the holy of holies, had any windows in it. 
It had no opening for light. It was covered by those four curtains that we've got over there that we don't have on this morning. They came over and they covered it completely. I'm not able to build what the tabernacle built, but even when it was on here, there was no tops, no cracks here. If you go back and read and study, these curtains, according to Jewish antiquity, Josephus and different ones, were probably somewhere in the neighborhood of five inches thick. Very thick, very heavy. They were hung on a rod. They were completely closed. All this was sealed up. It was totally dark to where if you went in there, there was you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. There's no windows. There's no source of light. There's nothing in that except the light that came off of that candlestick, which was the burning of oil, which pictures what? <clears throat> Holy Spirit of God. That's the only light you need as a Christian. That's the only light I need as a Christian. That's the only light the church needs as a Christian. Now, do I read commentaries? Yes, I do. And sometimes I find that this word, the Word of God will put an awful lot of light on some of these commentaries. <laughs> I've read so many things wrong in the study of this tabernacle. It's just amazing. I should have made a note of them, but I didn't. There's three types of light, and we've created a fourth one. But number one, there's no natural light in the place of service. There's no windows. There was no natural light of any kind in there. There was the light of the Holy Spirit of God symbolized in the burning of the oil. And then when you leave this part where it's a place of service and go into the, the Holy of Holies back here, we've got the third source of light. That's the Shekinah glory. God provided the light. You remember if we, when we get to the ark, we'll see that when the priest entered into here, it was so bright and so glowing that the Shekinah glory on the mercy seat so illuminated the entire Holy of Holies there. They didn't need any further light uh, that God supplied the light himself. Now that's going to be true in the future too if you want to look in uh, uh, Revelation. <clears throat> 22, I forgot the verse, but let's look over there. When we get to heaven, Revelation chapter 22, I think it's verse 6. You know, verse number 5, Revelation 22, 5. We're talking about uh, in the new heavens and new earth. And there shall be no light there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. This is not derogatory, but when we get to that, when we get to the new heaven, we'll not need the light of the Holy Spirit. God Himself will be the light in His. There won't be any sun. There won't be any artificial light. There won't be anything but the Shekinah glory that lights the new heaven. I'm looking forward to that. So there's three types. Now I said a while ago. The, the natural light is excluded from the tabernacle. And you know, this is, y'all can understand this. This is contrary to the thinking of the world. The natural man wants all kind of different kind of light. He wants everything you can imagine and he wants it all artificial created by man. And sad to say, we've got a lot of churches today that are doing the same thing. They create artificial light. Again, there was no artificial light in the tabernacle in the place of service where you and I are uh, to serve the Lord. 
you know, I, I won't name all the churches. Well, the Catholic Church is one of them. You go into Catholic Church, they're going to have candles everywhere. And a lot of other churches, they got candles everywhere. That is, that is blaspheme. Amen. That is blaspheme. To come along and use a man-made artificial light. And that's what it pictures. <clears throat> but it, like I said, there's three sources of light. Natural light, Holy Spirit light, Shekinah glory light. And then man comes along and wants to add artificial light and say the light of God's not enough. That's what we're saying when we do that. God help us. Uh, now, just for application, uh, you talk to a lost person about all this, they shake your head and think you're crazy. You can't understand it until you receive Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in your, part, in your heart. And you come from the outside world and you come through the altar of sacrifice and the brazen altar until you enter into the tabernacle itself, the, the holy place. And then, you'll, and then those that were out here and I was one of them and you were one of them and we said, I don't want none of that. That don't interest me. But once we come inside, what happens? We say, whoo, man, it's beautiful in here. I didn't know it was like this. I'd have come in sooner. How many people have you seen or led to Christ? We had somebody, who was it that uh, got saved not long ago at the Spanish church and said, man, if I'd known it was like this, I'd done it a long time ago. <laughs> And I'm in that group too. But the world doesn't understand us. Y'all understand that? They're not supposed to understand us. Sometimes I'd shake my head and I'd say, why don't you see this? Yeah. Why can't you? you know. not, they won't. 1 Corinthians 5, 21. The natural man understandeth not the things of God. And until they retrust Christ and they come to the inside, they're not going to. Second thing, and we'll, we'll just have to finish on this one, but it pictures Jesus Christ through the Jesus Christ says, I'm the light of the world. When he left, he said the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit illuminates us, and we're to be the light of the world. We are to radiate the light of our Lord Jesus Christ exactly after the same pattern that he radiated it while he was here. And you remember when he went away, he said, I'll not leave you alone. I'll not leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he'll be in you, and he'll be with you. And the Lord Jesus Christ descended, and then he said, ye are the light of the world. And then the second thing that is pictured in here is he is the life of the world. And we've seen that in verse 31 again, but we also saw it in John chapter 1 and verse number 4. He said, in him was life. And the light was the light of men. Uh, then uh, let's go down to verse 8. It says, He, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, He was not, I talk about John the Baptist, He was not that light. He was just a witness to the light. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So Jesus Christ was the light of the world. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Then through you and I, when he left, he said, you're the light of the world. And through us, the Holy Spirit works. And God, through the Holy Spirit of God, enlightens how many men? Every man. Every man has light. 
I preached on it, that here a number of times in mission conferences and taught on it. There's nobody in any part of the world, in any jungle of South America. They're born in the jungle. They live in the jungle. They die in the jungle. They never heard the word Bible, church, Jesus Christ, or anything else. But they've got light that God has given them from the light of creation and the light of conscience. Nobody will ever enter into heaven, into eternity, and say, God, you've got to let me go to heaven because I'm innocent based on ignorance. He is the true light that cometh into the world that lighteth every man. So it's pictured in that lampstand. He's pictured as the light of the world. He's pictured as the life of the world. And if you think about it, all of us know that's true. That you can't give life. I can't give life. But our Lord Jesus Christ can give that life. But... Uh, let me just point out a couple of things here. we got a couple of minutes. And back over in Exodus, we won't read it again, but it talks about the buds. It talks about the flowers. It talks about the almonds. All three of those picture what? Life. All three of them are living, live elements, and that's pictured. And now one particularly is shown up. Turn to Exodus chapter 7 and verse 8. And you'll see where the almond is pictured and speaks of revelation of uh, resurrection. Well, I thought I looked all these up, but that's not the right scripture. I apologize for that. I don't know where that went. Let me look at eight seven. No, I don't know. I'll look that up and get that corrected on the outline because that's important. Because the, the scripture makes it clear that the almond speaks of resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's resurrection light and life. But that, uh, we'll conclude that this morning. That's uh, the two elements that we see primarily that the lampstand pictures our Lord Jesus Christ as he is the light of the world, he is the life of the world. And all of the New Testament truths can be collated together with what we see in the lampstand. I'm not sure this is an accurate picture of the lampstand, and I'm not sure anybody's got an accurate picture of it because it's got more elements in it than this does right here. This doesn't seem to have the flowers and the and the buds and the almonds and the, and the things that the uh, Holy Spirit gave us back over in the book of Exodus. But the next week we'll pick up and we're going to look at lessons concerning the saints, and it'll get down much more. To and then lessons concerning the church we'll go more and more and more and more into the pattern that God has pictured for us how we ought to live our life how we ought to serve the Lord how we ought to depend wholly upon the Holy Spirit of God and we'll look more and more at how that lampstand is put together and you and I are a part of it and uh, we'll find eternal security we'll find total cleansing of sin you'll find everything you can imagine in that lampstand it's exciting to me so let's pray and we'll go into the morning service. Father, we are thankful this morning. Lord, we're amazed at how the scriptures were written 2,000 years ago. And how as we study them, Father, they teach us things. Lord, they picture us things that you and I here today, we live with them every day. God, I pray that you'd use them week by week. 
Lord, as we study those these things in our word, God, to change our life, that we might live, Father, after the pattern that you have pictured for us so clearly, Lord, here in the Old Testament in the tabernacle. We pray, dear God, that you'd make these truths real to us. Pray that we'd not forget them. We'd hide them in our hearts. We'd put them into practice in our life. God, as we leave here today, remind us every morning, Father, that our responsibility, you said, ye are the light of the world. And that God, that we will strive to radiate that light to those people that we mix with in the workplace, in the marketplace. Wherever we find other people, we pray to God that they see Jesus Christ in us. We'll praise you and thank you for it. We pray now for Brother Cutshaw as he preaches the morning service that you'd anoint him, fill him with thy Holy Spirit. Pray that you'd bless and have your will and your way. We'll praise you and thank you for it. But we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.